Hello, my friends. How you doing? This is Coffee Chug. We're here with another episode of Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. And this time, I get to hang out and have a wonderful chat with my good friend, Ginger Lumen. She is someone who pushes my thinking, um, challenges my thoughts, and this makes me an all-around better person. And so this is someone that if you are not following and including within your PLCs and your online learning networks and tribes, someone you need to... Um, she is just simply amazing at conveying ideas, challenging your thinking, and keeping it realistic for the classroom teacher. Um, she spends more time in reality than the theory land, as we often talk about on this podcast. So I want you to take a, uh, some time to listen to this podcast. I think you're going to thoroughly enjoy it. Check out the show notes. Lots of great images and quotes and graphics and links to everything that we talk about. Um, and more importantly, if you enjoy this episode, it is kindly asked that you share. Share with a friend. Post online. Take a screenshot of the um, any of the images that you want and let others be aware of it. Because the more we share, the more we can learn from one another. Even more important, any questions, thoughts, ideas that you have listening to the podcast, leave a comment. Reach out to us. Let's keep the conversation going and uh, pushing our own learning to the next level. All right, guys. Enjoy. Woke up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs, talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation, Aaron Mauer, outside the box thinker, here to teach each and every teacher how to tinker, living on the edge of chaos, born insane, listening to coffee chugs like happy for the brain, one of the top teachers in Iowa, word is born, here to show the world that there's more here than corn. Chaos. Hello everyone, how you doing? This is Coffee Chug. We're here with another episode on Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. And I am here with a dear friend of mine and I have, have talked about her. I think she's on a previous podcast. We'll definitely make sure we have to get linked up. Uh, I, I, I followed her work. She's not only a friend but a mentor. Um, she's pushed my thoughts and my thinking. And I know that she's someone that uh, if I ever have a question in education, she's going to shoot it to me straight. And so these are the uh, few gems that you can find, few and far between. Um, and I know you guys can't see the screen. She's laughing at me right now. But I, I, I truly mean all those things. And so um, I've asked Ginger to come on to the show today so we can talk about project-based learning and just the, the, the state of what this means for so many educators, um, trying to figure out how to make it work within the limitations. But before we dive into that, um, Ginger, why don't we take some time to introduce who you are and what you do for those that aren't aware, because if they aren't aware, they need to be aware. Oh, you're so kind. By the way, I love it. This is Coffee Chug on the Edge of Chaos podcast. How crazy. I mean, you're just like, boom, boom. I mean, that's, like, that's some edgy stuff right there, man. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, my name is Ginger Lumen. I am an educator of 24 years. I now work at a nonprofit uh, education service center uh, in, based in Hutchinson, Kansas. I get to travel across Kansas, across the country, sometimes in other different countries. And really, my whole gist is to help teachers revision what thinking and what learning can mean uh, in today's and tomorrow's world. So I get a I get a chance to to uh, sample a whole potpourri to go back to the old game show days, sample yeah. potpourri uh, of topics uh, along, this, uh, along this route is super fun. And I, you know, I was trying to figure out how many years that we've known each other, and I think it's uh, too, too many years, but I'm not sure how I feel about you calling me a mentor. That kind of has the uh, feel that uh, I'm, I'm significantly older than you. And, oh, no, uh, no, no. Yeah. Just in intelligence, intelligence and insights in terms of mentoring, not age, not age, yes. I'm not sure about that. I think I just <laughs> left out of, out of the classroom a little bit sooner than you did. That's all. That's all. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I think it was, uh, it was like that World Gifted Conference, I believe. I remember that? And I think we were uh, the only people that didn't present a 30-page research paper on PowerPoints. And, yeah. um, you know, I think we had lots of uh, – powerful conversations from observations that I think kickstarted it. We were like, okay, I think we found, we, we found our people among a audience that's, <laughs> well, at least it wasn't my people at the time, but uh, it was, it, it was interesting. Not nonetheless. <laughs> kind of funny. Cause when you start a conversation with uh, somebody uh, that you're starting to realize that, Oh, we might be on the same page here, but you kind of hedge your bet. Right. So you have a brief, good conversation. You're like, wait a minute. I know you probably have other places to go. So go on, even though you don't want to stop the conversation. <laughs> Right. And the person's like, no, you do. And, and we just, I think we did that for three hours, the very first conversation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think we did. You're right. So 30 minutes here is going to be a challenge, man. <laughs> I know. <laughs> 
well, after probably 30 minutes, we'll probably have enough people scratching their head or cursing their names. One of the two that uh, we might be a good stopping point. So. <laughs> well, the good news is we talk fast, so it might as well be three hours. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> well, we were talking before we hit record or when I reached out to you. I know one of the topics that I, that I wanted to dive right into, I think, will open itself up to uh, a lot of different pathways was um, – I know here, here where I'm at in Iowa, and I know you're in Kansas, and as we were talking before, it might have some different perspective, which is going to be fascinating. This idea of project-based learning in terms of how do we help educators um, kind of figure this out in a day and age where there's so much pressure to conform to standardized test, or even if it's not maybe standardized test, it's this, this idea of compliance um, from those that, that work above them. Um, and I think... I'm going to go on, on a limb here, and I think I don't know that it's always those messages are always direct, meaning that there's someone up top saying, no, you can't do this, this, and this. But I do think it's an unintended message through actions and initiatives and things like that. And so I know just a lot of friends I have, not just here in Iowa, but you know, through social media and other networks, that so many teachers are, are struggling with this concept, right, of I want to – create curiosity and inquiry and I want kids to solve their own problems and do all these things in project-based learning. Oh, but I have this pacing guide type structure in my system that I must adhere to because I have to be on the same page with everybody in my department type of thing. And so um, I guess maybe the question I have to throw your way is um, your thoughts on that in terms of a teacher's listening in on here. How in the world do they navigate those waters so it doesn't just become excuses of why we can't do things. I know that's a loaded, heavy question that probably take more than 30 minutes to answer, but at least it'll get us moving. No, I just love that you just jump right into like the whole <laughs> meat of it. You're just like, hey, you know, the whole podcast is just about this question. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, been playing, I've been playing with project-based learning since um, uh, 2006. Um, I come from a social studies secondary social studies background and moved into special education with an emphasis in gifted ed and did that for several years and then got tapped on the shoulder and said, Ginger, let's, uh, let's start a new school here in our, here in our district. And, uh, they said, it's gotta be project-based learning, gotta be one-to-one laptops. I said, that's cool. I got differentiated instruction. I know how that works. I'm totally comfortable. They said, differentiated instruction and PBL, not the same thing. And I said, what? And, uh, <laughs> And I got two days of training with the Buck Institute back in 2006, and, uh, and they said, go. Uh, so since then, I built, <clears throat> built a school. Uh, it, it ended up being K-8. We were in the process of building a high school when I, when I left. We started out the first year very small, doubled in size, doubled in size, nearly doubled again. The sucker was working. Um, so I got to learn what the realities were, what I'd been trained and what the realities were with project-based learning, because sometimes those aren't always the same. Depends on where you land back home, and uh, and I was given a lot of freedom to do what's right for kids, uh, so that gave me a, a unique uh, fearlessness. I stepped away um, for many different reasons um, and uh, started helping other teachers figure out how to do this in their lockdown, blockdown, uh, chained. Uh, environments. I was doing it and no child left behind. Common Core came in. I said, holy flipping crap. Uh, Common Core done right is BBL. So (laughs) let's fly. Let's go. And, uh, but we've still been shell shocked for so long with no child left behind in in the tests. And, and it was still a bit of a reality. I think that teachers are in in a balance. Uh, We're driven by the nervousness. We're driven by fear of doing the wrong thing by kids. We want to do the fear and care. We want to do the right thing by kids. We're also afraid of not doing the right thing by kids, uh, either by staying still or by going toward PBL. It's just that fear of jumping off. And and, and what if what if things go wrong? What if somebody, an administration isn't really happy? And, and I, I want us to, to realize that sometimes um, it is a self-proving ground. Project-based learning doesn't work unless you try it and then adjust it and have some time for yourself and your kids to unlearn. And so you can relearn how to do things right. Um, I guess the most important part of this whole thing is to understand why you want to do it, who you're doing it for, you know, and if you have that and you're and, and somebody is in your corner um, at the administrative level, you can't go wrong if you've got the why. 
Because the how, the how, the how is shiftable. You know, you can change that whenever you want. The why is what sustains us through all the all the bumps and and the, and the smashes and setbacks and and leaps forward is the why. I don't know. That's a lot of yeah. Random, or jump into something. no, no. It's good as you're sitting there. I mean, as you were talking about, you know, I always talk so much with teachers and and people that I work with that there's theory land and reality land. You know, um, you know, anybody can write a book or an article and say this is how you do it, and the reality is, but have you actually done it with the class of thirty in forty two minutes? Where you know, and then list all your variables that every classroom teacher faces at some point in their day, um, you know, regardless. And so I think I'm, I'm glad, glad you touched upon that because, and, and maybe we dive into to that a little bit. Um, like, so I, I think about the realities of a classroom teacher. So let's maybe break it down that way. When, and I'll just pick middle school. Cause I think that's, that's what I know best. You know, you've got a 45 minute period. You see 180 kids in a day. How in the world, Ginger or Aaron, can you possibly expect me to be able to do project based learning when I have all this? Like, how I can't do that, you know, like this this mindset of and, and we talked a little bit before the recording. I don't think that it's that teachers are, are resistant to these things. I think they've lost maybe the self-awareness or the self-confidence to go forth, like you said, to kind of get past that mode of, of, of fear. But those are the things that we hear. Like, how do you expect me to do this? Like, I can't do this, you know. Um, so so how, how do we overcome that first hurdle? Because if if, if a person can't get past that. You know, it doesn't matter how many books and articles and PD you go to. You know, it comes back to your why, but there's also that resistant piece of no way. So in Kansas right now, um, and I, I work both in Kansas and elsewhere, so we've got a foot in both places. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the uh, what Kansas is doing right now in education with our Kansans Can initiative. And what that is basically is that the entire state is redesigning what education is. And when I say the entire state, it's not quite the entire state yet. We've got, um, oh, 50 school districts-ish, 50-ish school districts right now across the state of Kansas who have at least two of their schools, an elementary and a secondary, at least two, are uh, have decided to uh, throw the rule books to the side, do what's right for their kids and their community for now and for their future. Now, they're not throwing the law books to the side, but they're throwing the rule books to the side. And the State Department says, we know that as you start to experiment and plan and do things differently, um, that you're gonna run into rubs at our level. That there are things that we've been telling you, you can't do. Um, when, if you are a redesigned school, you're under a protective umbrella at this point, which says that when you run into a rub, let us know. Keep doing the right thing for kids. Let us know, and then we've got a we've got a committee all set up to review that and think how we need to change our policies to support this redesign better. I could not be more tickled with that process. I literally said tickled. What am I eighty? <laughs> <laughs> tickled. Just tickled pink. Because what it's doing is asking uh, by role modeling. Uh, our Kansas Commissioner of Education, Randy Watson, Deputy Commissioners Brad Newswater, and then all those in the Department of Education are, oh, by the way, the Department of Education, I'm going to say out loud, not everybody who works in there is on board with this. Right. And because they have for so long said, here's the rules, here's the laws. And, and, and there's small groups, and they're having to go through growing pains, too. So this is becoming a real systemic thing of who Kansas is right now. Uh, proving ground that things can work. We're looking at student success. We're looking at communities, conversations. We're looking at personalized education. We're looking at really rethinking how we use age, content, and time. And so, and really truly rethinking that. Understanding that kids learn stuff outside of school that they should earn credit for and move on. Um, So as I get, get called into school districts to support the process, it's an interesting thing to see administrators, and I, I have to point to the administrators and say, you, you know how you know how KSDE is supporting us now. You got to do that with your teachers. You got to review the policies that you have put in place or had in place, 
when they hit a rub. Yeah. And 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 then the, and then I talk to the teachers. You know, you want your kids to do something different. So that means we have to review the policies and the procedures that we have put in place to manage our classrooms. And and it's really handy to have that. Now the reality is outside the state of Kansas, that ain't happening. That support isn't changing. The conversations aren't changing. It's not being driven from the top and bottom at the same time. We're like a perfect Oreo sandwich here in Kansas, right? <laughs> Smashing it in. I guess most people remove the tops and bottoms of Oreos. Whatever. I don't. I get aggressive with them. Anyway, I squeeze through to the middle. Um, outside, when you don't have that, uh, what do, what do we do? You know, for for you and me in our roles, Aaron, uh, we just what would we do with any kid who's reluctant? Now, teachers aren't kids. And we're going to treat them like kids, but they are learners. And they're learning something really scary. One of the first things I always do, one of my first, I don't know, first what five slides I ever have, to, and I put it up there, not because I'm driven by a slideshow, but because I'm short attention span theater. And yeah, it's like, you know, crack. <laughs> um, and I kind of wish I had one right now. Uh, but uh, <laughs> the, um, I always ask teachers, what is it we expect our kids to do and demonstrate when they're running into a challenge. Um, well, my learners, what do I, and so they holler out, you know, be persistent, ask questions, just try, you know, these sorts of things. And then my very next slide says, today we're going to be the learners we expect our kids to be. And that I'm going to push you. And there are going to be times where you get really frustrated and you're not sure what to do. So think back what we would ask our kids to do. And and they say, they'll nod. Yep, we'll do that. And then, then they forget to do that. And right. it's okay because I'm a teacher. Gosh, if only there was a teacher in the room to help me. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So then uh, I gently work with them. And, and we, we practice and we, um, and, and we take it slow. Uh, celebrate the small things and then ask them to go deeper. Uh, always admiring the effort and the work they're putting forward and then going more. Uh, role modeling, showing examples, being there with them, uh, and then uh, convincing administrators that this real change, if you want real change, it takes time. Yeah. You can't expect somebody to really flip 180 degrees in one day training. Really? That's crazy. And and that's the conversation that happens here in Kansas as well. They're, hey, Ginge, can you come in for a half-day PBL? Just kind of tell us what it is. We'll take it from there. Oh, if this is a speed date for me, I'm totally cool with that. But if you think your teachers are going to get it, right? You know, yeah. Uh, why do you hate your teachers? Why do you hate your kids? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. You know, as you as you sh- share those things, it gets me thinking of. I always have a I have a slide that I, I use in my workshops when I usually have I have like these one or two day workshops to get teachers kind of empowered with purposeful play and hands-on learning, that kind of stuff. And um, I forget who the quote is by um, someone, a really famous composer. It's escaping me right now, but uh, the quote is music is the silence between the notes. And I always say the notes are the initiatives. The notes are the non-negotiables that we have in our education world. Not that they're all bad, but a lot of times we just have too many. However, you are the silence. You are the the, the artistic expression in between those initiatives, and that's your playground. That's where you have the opportunity as an educator to play. Like, you get to bring the learning to life, but your job is to also connect it to the initiative. Like, yes, you know, you may not agree with everything, but that's just the way it is. So we have to work within those realms. And so, you know, very much the very same thing that you're talking about. As we're working through here, like, give yourself the artistic freedom as a professional of why you got in this job to begin with. And that's your, that's your classroom time. That's where you get to, to, to bring it all to life. And then if, if you want to be treated as a professional, which we all do, then, you, it's, then make it a proving point that this work actually aligns to the initiative. And no one's ever going to argue with you. Now, I say that, and most people look at me like, well, that's easy for you to say because you, you've drank three gallons of coffee and you're jazzed up and everything else. But, 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 I, but I really believe that. Like, you know, I always think like, like the classroom is our playground, um, you know, to really go into that. And it's, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a lot of the work that you're trying to do is just try to help us see, you know, we're no different than our students. We're just in, in bigger bodies and, and we learn something new. You know, that's what our kids are going through. And so, um, I loved hearing that because it, it got me thinking about, about that same kind of message um, as we push forth is giving ourselves the, the permission to do this work. Um, you know, we always, you always hear, I'm sure you've, you hear it as, 
you know, you were with way more teachers than me, the idea like, oh, but I'll get fired or I'll get in trouble. Like, will you, will you really? Maybe in a few places if you have a crazy organization, but I don't think that's really going to happen. But, you know, but we, we've got these unintended messages that we feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get pink slipped, you know, if I bring in student agency. Yeah, I think that um, you could get pink slipped in just about any place if you don't communicate with what you're doing and why you're doing it. So that's really Good important. Point. You got to talk. Yeah. To parents, you got to talk to the people who come in and do their checklist with you. Uh, I actually have walked with a principal before through his his school, little five minute walk through type jobbies, and walked into a classroom where there was zero engagement. And we walked out, and I looked at the principal, and I said, how do you feel? And he goes, I, I think that's a really pretty good classroom. It's better than what he had been. The kids are at least, you know, quiet listening. I was like, well, I think listening was stretching it. <laughs> and we go down the hallway a little bit, and um, and we walk into a classroom. I look around. I can't see the teacher, right? There's a lot of activity happening. You know, the kids are talking. Well, there's not, I wouldn't say a lot of activity. They're still sitting at their desk, but they're in pairs, and they're talking. They're doing stuff right there. It's not like they're up around the room. And I had to look for him, and I finally find the teacher. I'm like, oh, okay, I see. I see what we're doing here. So I sat down next to some kids. I didn't even talk to the teacher. I don't care. I want to talk to the kids. What are you doing? What's going on? What are you going to do next? How's this going, right? At the end of this, I stood up and, and went and met with the principal in the hallway, and he says, I said, how do you feel? And he goes, I am so disappointed. Mm. And I said, you're trying to put on my poker face. <laughs> Because the kids were telling me exactly what was happening. They knew exactly until there was a point they're like, no, I'm not sure what we're doing after that. But that was like maybe a week down the road. And I was like, that's totally cool if you don't know that. Right. And, uh, and, and I thought, well, this guy just doesn't get it. And, and is it his fault? Maybe, maybe not. You know, he hasn't been exposed either. I think that when we are asking us to consider asking uh, colleagues to think about project-based learning or, or anything different, significantly different than what we've done. It's asking us to look at kids differently of who they are and who they aren't and who they think they are and who they aren't. Uh, and it asks us in professional learning, us as curriculum directors, as that sort of thing, to look at our to look at teachers differently and for teachers to look at themselves differently. And I think that that gets rough many times i've walked into a school this is something that i've been working with a lot lately it was on the trauma-informed building resilience path um because we had a conversation a couple of years ago in our organization that said what's one thing that if we don't change nothing else changes oh, and wow. it's overwhelming we gotta we gotta we gotta fit we gotta heal poverty heal i'm sorry solve poverty and, and heal trauma yeah. gotta do this and, and so we really pushed on hard on our own initiatives that direction and asking teachers to look at kids from a different point of view, from, from the brain science of it's not what's wrong with the kid, it's what's happened to the kid. And it's not just a poverty thing. The, the trauma cuts across all socioeconomic boundaries. And, and when we start reframing that conversation, I've even been into pretty – I mean, schools that have gone down the road, but they're still new into trauma-informed. And just it was just even this week I talked to a really great teacher. He's talking about, you know, the kids are just, you know, we can't just have things be fun and engaging all the time. That's not what this is about. They need to kind of just suck it up and do it. You know, my dad, and he starts telling this example, and I love it when he gave that example because I said, sounds like you had a really great relationship with your dad. He said, totally. My dad would kick my butt, and my dad would, I'm like, cool. How many of our kids in, in our classes have this dad relationship? And he's like, oh. I said, yeah. So it's a different story. And he says, yeah, you're right. You're right. And he started rethinking some things. And so I gently pushed, you know, with that. So if we don't start looking at kids needing something different, the kids are different, whether it's because of our world or whether it's because of their worlds, that it's different. We can't re rightly ask them to jump into this curriculum. We haven't yet built the foundation of who the kids are and their true needs. We've talked about it surface wise with oh, flying cars and stuff like that. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, the 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 ideas going through my head is, I mean, I know this trauma stuff is is so important, and I'm glad to hear that you guys are doing a lot of that. It's something that I, I know we need to do more of in our area and provide that social emotional um, help in terms of training. Like, how do we help educators, people in the classrooms, learn how to better deal? It deals are wrong. I don't know what the right word is. Like 
to bring that to the teaching repertoire. You're, they're not being taught these things in, in, in teacher prep. And I'm not saying that the teacher prep, I mean, we had any more things at teacher prep. It's going to take you eight years to get your degree. But this is very real conversation. The landscape is changing. I mean, I, I mean, having three children of my own, an eighth grader, a sixth grader, and a second grader, um, the anxieties and pressures. And I feel like my wife and I are, are, are pretty, you know, stable parents. And I just can't even imagine... I mean, we struggle coping with day-to-day life, let alone I can't imagine, you know, what half these kids have to go through. And so it, it just has me thinking, like, isn't that, isn't that why there's a even a greater need for project-based learning? Yes. In, in the sense of nothing else outside of take all the learning that goes with that that I think is important to help kids learn to build self-awareness. I mean, the biggest thing I see in my own children is the self-awareness of, like, who am I? And being able to come to terms with that, you know, through doing things through learning. Um, and, and I don't know enough of, of trauma and all that to know that that's necessarily the, the, the perfect fit. But I think there's something there that, that we're missing for so many of our kids, um, for them to find out who they are by diving into these these inquiry type processes of the real world, like of let's let's do it, let's let's see what happens. And in there, the benefit is they gain a little bit more about who who they are and maybe who they want to be. Absolutely. So, so our kids who are working with uh, coming from trauma or coming from high aces, the uh, adverse childhood conditions, right? Um, they're they're stuck in the brainstem is what we talk about and and in order to move up into that executive functioning uh, that we want to have happen in our classrooms we've got to move through that midbrain which is where the relationships happen that yeah. stable adult and I actually literally I'm just going to show you this note right here I know nobody can see it on the podcast but this is a this is a blog post that I I have to write soon because it keeps coming up I write my blog really as just answering a frequently asked questions <laughs> because I get lazy and I just say hey go read this. Note. <laughs> And uh, or I can talk for three minutes until they're tired of hearing me, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and they can they can take a bite of it when they want to. But really, that project-based learning boosts that that executive functioning. But we can't go to that executive functioning until they're calm and relaxed, calm and safe. Uh, and once they're calm, then we can do that. And I think the same is with our teachers. Yeah. Uh, if we talk about the adverse childhood conditions, listen, uh, my partner and I with this, uh, Rebecca Lewis Pankratz, uh, hundreds of teachers we've talked to, thousands she's talked to, um, and we always run uh, some ACEs conversations because teachers have never heard it, so it takes just you know five minutes, teachers figure out what their ACEs are, and uh, always, always, they are on the low end of the spectrum, and then, and then when we find out the data with their kids, I don't care where you're from, if you're from really nice community or from one that's rural or one that's inner city or one that's suburban, it doesn't matter that we've got kids, large numbers of our kids are with high ACEs, even though teachers may not think so. And so what's that disconnect in conversation? Um, and then the project base, once we've got them calm, then what do we do? How do we build? Okay, cool, you're no longer in your brainstem, but you've not yet developed that prefrontal cortex. And there's a, there really is science behind this. This isn't me just talking a bunch of brain crap and pointing at my head. There really is science behind this coming out of Harvard. And, and, the, and the science to it in, in the scheme of education and in the scheme of healthcare is pretty new. We first discovered this back in 95, 96. Oh, wow. Um, and then... Uh, and now we're just just recently, within the past five, ten years, even beginning to look at it in schools. And within the past year, I would say, I'm starting to see it as a trend. Yeah. This is brand new. Most teachers, when I talk to them, never even heard of this. No. No. Uh, unless they're connected online somewhere. So, to me, when teachers are nervous, one of the things they're nervous about is, what about that freaking kid? Because I put kids in groups, and kids don't work well in groups. And, and that kid doesn't come to school. How am I supposed to? That, by the way, that's my number two blog post because the school I was just at is asking me, the administrator says, um, Ginger, you're going to get asked a lot today about PBL and kids who are absent. And I said, oh, yeah, I got stuff for you. And I got three, four strategies we can do when kids are gone. And then it became apparent when the first teacher, very first teacher I saw, and then the second and third and fourth and fifth, were not asking about kids who happen to be absent. They were talking about chronic absences and what do we do. And I said, okay. Y'all, I can give you two, three band-aids on this open heart wound, or we can start doing our trauma-informed work 
to get the kids connected to an adult here so that they want to and feel safe to come to school. And then we can work on the PBL. If we don't fix with that trauma informed, this group work doesn't matter. <laughs> it's not gonna, yeah, it's not. Yeah. PBL will never work. And so your nervousness is valid. Yeah. So don't you think that's something fascinating because, um, well, first I should maybe put a caveat on there as I was reflecting on my last response. And then I'm sorry, I'm kind of like a squirrel here. I, when I was talking about, about, about the trauma and PBL by no means, and I think your, your response addresses it perfectly. I don't want anybody harping down my back thinking PBL is going to solve trauma. That, that when I was nope. sharing that connection, well, I guess I just wanted to clarify that. So someone's listening like this, you know, that's not what I was trying to convey, but I do think that there's a, a huge element that goes untalked about. Uh, is untalked even a word? I'm not sure that's a word, but it is now. Untalked about that it's not even about the standard. It's helping kids, you know, learn about themselves. So I do. I just wanted to put that, that caveat there. But where I wanted to go, jump back to the other squirrel now, um, is when I think about admin and PD and, and in-services for teachers – you know, it's easy. They want black and white solutions. Come in, Ginger, give me five PBL strategies that we can put on a handout um, that we can say, go back and do. And then we're going to talk about it in our coaching cycles. And then we're going to write up this document. And it looks like we're amazing. But people don't want to go into that gray sticky area where there is not a, a single, you know, bullet prompt solution you know when we deal with with kids with the trauma-informed care like that's one that's a a difficult pd it's vital it's important because it makes us rethink and there are no like necessarily clear-cut answers because every single child is so unique and i know we talk about that all the time but you know even outside of trauma you know we talk about how to build relationships no one ever talks about well how do you do that how do you how do i as a classroom teacher build a relationship with with a kid that i have nothing in common who who's here to here to talk about me you know i mean to help me navigate through those channels you know it's it's I'm, I'm going on my rant here. You know, it's it's the same thing when people say, oh, you know, Ginger, you know, really, you should just differentiate in your classroom. And then you respond, well, well, how do I do that? Oh, that's weird. I got to go. I, I have another meeting. Like everybody says it, but no one ever actually tells you like how to do it. And I think that's something that, that you know, as, as we think about leaders that are building and things like that is um, being brave enough to dive into these sticky situations because they're the most important. And without diving into those, you know, the strategies don't matter. Yeah. First of all, if, no, if you're listening to this and nobody has shown you how to do this stuff, call me. I will walk you through. I can start you with something you can use tomorrow and something that you can build for bigger. So first and foremost there. But the admin issue is so real. It's I don't remember what book it's from, so somebody smarter than me put it in the comments or something. <laughs> um, it's the technical versus the adaptive skills uh, problem. A te technical versus the adaptive problems that uh, administrators face. The technical meaning... Uh, buses are not getting to school on time or they're not getting that sort of thing here. Do this, apply this, and it'll be fixed. Uh, versus the adaptive meaning, I don't know how the hell to do this redesign. I don't know how to do this uh, thing. And, and it's going to get messy. And you know what? It's not clean. And gosh, somebody's going to complain. See, administrators became administrators not because they were inefficient. I know that's a double negative. They did become <laughs> They did become administrators because they were very efficient with their work. And, you know, budget matters, and, and we got to move a lot of people, a lot of kids, a lot of things, a lot of money, and we got to make it all flow together. And so the people who naturally get those jobs are the people who like cut and dry decisions. If you really want to change the world, that's not the administrator we need. I'm looking at you, curriculum directors, who have your whole PD planned out a year in advance for every single grade level. Or a year and a half in advance. I'm just saying it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I might have been a victim of one of those one time. I came into <laughs> that very, that very clean, running, very efficient environment, and was asked to do a very messy thing, and and um, it didn't go over well. Needless to say, and I learned a whole lot about clean, efficient systems and how I need to approach them with a very messy topic. Right. Um, but uh, that's. That's something real. And, and if you know that you have a technically oriented administrator, then how do you work with them to get them to understand that this is an adaptive problem without 
pulling out that book from 1985 to let them read. And, uh, and how do we get them into the right conversations so that they understand what we're doing and why we're doing it? The truth is, I think every single teacher, and I really do believe with all my heart, that every single administrator wants to do right by kids. I agree too. Yes, I don't. It's not a. It's not a finger pointing. Absolutely. I think there's people are pulled in so many directions depending on where you are in the education system. It's not a, a finger pointing or a blaming of anyone, um, but it's definitely something that I think that you alluded to earlier. It comes down to communication, even among our own buildings. How well do teachers? and paras and the custodians and the administrators and everybody else involved communicate what they're doing and why they're doing it. Not that we have to sit and have a kumbaya every Monday morning to justify every action, but I wonder how many times we sit and we say, this is what we're going to do, but you've given no context for, for why this has come to be. And I think people would appreciate, you're not asking for everyone to agree, but people will appreciate understanding the why behind it you know whether you're an admin talking about this or that or like you said if you're going to do the pbl in the classroom if you communicate the why to the parents and the stakeholders and and to to your admin like it solves 99 percent of the problems and i think you know i think that's something that can be that that's easily addressed um I'm not saying the work is easy, but it's easily addressable to just create a system where you're communicating why things are happening the way they are. Well, and that, I like that you say that we're just communicating because you're a very natural communicator. You're open. You're open to criticism. You're open to compliments. You're open. You're open. Not everybody is. Not everybody feels safe to be. And and that's where I, uh, the triumvirate of this this to me is uh, the PBL is really where we want to get to, but it can't be the start because it's it's so foreign to so many. Uh, so one is we've got to we've got to understand our kids through the trauma informed approach, but then to understand our teachers is where uh, again our organization works really well with uh, the communication aspect, and that is knowing who we are. What energy do we bring to this to the table? What stories are we telling ourselves about what that other person is saying? Because a lot of times we'll make assumptions. We, we approach with judgment, not curiosity. Mm-hmm. So when somebody says something that's totally asinine, you know, we're like, oh, well, no surprise that that's happening there, right? <laughs> Instead of, and that just, boom, shuts it down. Even though that person might have just been saying something from a different point of view, that if we would have approached with curiosity and said, you said X, I'm curious, what, uh, what's, what, where does that come from? Can you help me figure out? Can you explain a little bit more with that? And sometimes if we just ask the, that plain question, which I kind of botched because I talk like that, but if you ask it to be <laughs> curiosity, then they'll explain more and you'll find that you probably have more common ground. Yeah. When we start having conversations like that instead of it's this or that, but where we start wondering about things, where we're curious about stuff, then, um, then communication has a better chance to change. Uh, also understanding, like I said, the energy that you bring into it. This is um, the work we do with Inspired Leadership uh, through ESDAC. And, and that's that's understanding that everybody is a leader. Uh, and leadership's not a title. It's an action. And so what are you bringing to it? How are you leading yourself in your day? I can't control you, but I can't control how I respond to any sort of situation. And And do I want to come in? Am I coming in as a victim? So that something happens and I immediately go, to, oh, this is always being done to us. And, you know, or am I, you know, something happens and I say, oh, that's it. I'm not going to do that. Screw you. And I'm going to come in and fight with this. Or, or is it something where I feel that I need to, to help everyone by, by serving them and by helping them? And um, is it that uh, when something happens, I just say, well, that's it is what it is. I don't love it, but it's what I got to do. I'm just compliant. I'm just there. Is it something where I can look toward, uh, you know what, this is this is happening and it's challenging, but uh, how can I make the best opportunity of this? So yeah. if that's reality, now what? And what we want to do is get people to that place at the very least, because those other, those other four that I explained before that are briefly mentioned, they don't, they don't move us forward on a regular basis. And if we know that this is how we're approaching the situation as, as a member of the team, how do we change that? This is a long ways away from the PBL conversation, but 
can't understand what communication is and can be and how we impact how yeah. others are and how we impact how we are, then none of this works either. Right. It's to triumvirate. Yeah. You know, really that's, I mean, even as you're talking, I was sitting there thinking like, this is not even communication among ourselves as colleagues or within our, our, our people that we work with. I mean, really the communication is with ourselves, you know, it's that, it's that self-talk. I mean, and that goes beyond just, you know, all the education jargon. It's, it's, it's what's, what is that mindset? What's that conversation you're having in your head um, before you even get to that point to have the conversation with others, you know, like you said, having those questions of, you know, hearing people out through curiosity. And I'm thinking back of how many times, I failed to do that um, and still failed to do that. Even, uh, you know, I think I did that even today in a, in a meeting that I was in um, and I was sitting there listening to the lens of maybe judgment um, as opposed to critique. And I know, I mean, we're all going to have those moments, but I think it's good to be aware of that. And, you know, I knew going into the meeting that my, my headspace wasn't where it needed to be. And I just think about, if I come in with a different lens, you know, do I bring something maybe a little more beneficial to, 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 to the platform that maybe does change the system for the better? Um, you know, so I think that's, that, that's so important. Um, you know, and in the end, I guess, you know, coming full circle to all this work where, yeah, maybe the, the conversation isn't on PBL, but isn't this why we do that type of learning and create this type of learning environments so that kids can do this so they're successful in whatever endeavor they want to go down. And so, I mean, it's, um, it, it, it all manifests itself in some shape or form. Yeah. How do we guide them if we can't guide ourselves? The, uh, when I go into a, a tough conversation, I do this in my workshops. If I know that this is a, a potential to be difficult today, uh, we start out with, um, okay, there's there's two columns here. Uh, Y'all are going to have a little piece of paper or whatever, and you're not going to need to share this with other people if you don't want to, but you're welcome to if you want to. That also is a bit of a test. I get to see who I have in the room and what's happening there, what the energy is. So uh, what are the things we're going to intentionally leave off the table? Is it being reactive? Is it fear? Is it being dissatisfied? Is it worried? Is it being problem-oriented? Is it being condescending? Is it blaming others? Is it unkind? Is it Am I always in crisis mode, the, the lack of passion in action? Am I going to leave all that? Which of those? am I going to leave off the table? And the other is, um, then what am I going to intentionally bring to this conversation? Something I wouldn't normally, but I want to have happen. So what is that? Teamwork, trustworthiness, cooperation. Am I going to be solution focused? Am I going to be open to viewpoints? Am I going to be confident, calm, inspiring, responsive, mm -hmm. listening, productive? I have a belief in others in this conversation. Which of these things am I going to leave off the table and which one am I going to bring? And then from time to time throughout the day, I'll say, hey, go back to your piece of paper. Are you doing it? Check yourself. Are you doing it? It's okay if you haven't yet, because in times of stress, we'll all bump down to some sort of uh, moment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I always get the anger. I'll be like, oh, well, we out now. <laughs> But as soon as I can, and sometimes, by the way, sometimes that's a good thing because sometimes that gives me enough energy to get over a hump into the next thing. So it's not that it's good or bad, that it's, it can be used for good though. So then it, how do we get, how does it get me back to the, okay, what's the opportunity here and how can we all win together? Yeah. That's yeah. a big deal. I like that. I know. Um, in some of the workshops that I know that I do, I do, I'll do two days, which is asking a lot of admin to find subs. It's asking a lot of the teachers to be gone two days with lesson plan and everything else. And what comes up time and time again is like, do you really need two days? Like if you did one day, we could get so many more. And, I, and for this particular yeah, one, I, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm always like, no, no, I can't, you know? Um, and and even the pressures there sometimes, even from my own own organization, because the numbers usually aren't very high because it's hard. It's it's hard. It's logistical, financially, all that is hard to do. But what I tell people is like in the last workshop, we were doing some hands-on learning, and and it was on them. Like it wasn't hand-holding. And in in the first day, so many of them hadn't even got to the point of of making what they needed to make to take back for their classroom. And I'm like, this is awesome. You know, we did our gallery and we had like maybe two things on display and people were like, oh, I'm like, 
you're fine. Like, this is just where you are in your journey. And by the end of day two, like, a lot of people walk out of day one frustrated. They're oh, yeah. With themselves, with, with me. I mean, all of it. Like, I was there a whole day, and I don't have anything. But they come back, and then that second day, it is phenomenal. It is, I mean, completely yep. earth-shattering what they come up with. And we have this powerful conversation of, you know, how many times in the classroom do we get on a kid's case because it looks like they're doing nothing? And look at how long you just had to grapple with your own thoughts, whether that was ideation, whether that was confidence, whether that was, I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, my God. You know, like you went through this whole gamut and I can't predict that. Like there's other people that will start making like literally in five minutes. But we all ended up successful because even though they made in five minutes, half the time those people have to start over about midway through the morning of the second day because they didn't really plan it as well as they could have. Like, and it's all fine. You know, so I think as, as as we're talking through all these things, is just being you know building that awareness of you know giving ourselves the time, being self aware with your two columns, or just you know it's okay. Like you'll you'll get there if you allow yourself to go there. So Huge with that, I always say teachers teach how they're taught. Mm. So how do I in professional learning want my kids to tackle problems? Do I just want to spit it at them and have them memorize it forever? Or do I want them to be with it, sit with it, wrestle with it, and own it? Yeah. Which one's going to be more lasting? Because if it, I'm okay with just spitting information and they they regurgitate and forget it, and I'm okay with them, they don't need to know it, then I don't need to freaking teach it. Yes. If I'm okay with them not knowing it, uh, oh, well, they knew it once and they knew that it exists in the world – um, then and then they can find it. Then I'm going to teach finding skills. Is what I'm going to teach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> memorization and finding. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I think that's that's so true. And maybe as we we wrap this up, because I know I want to be uh, cognizant of of your time. I think it was another conference you and I at Geez, We're going to go back. I'm going to I'm going to conference reference another one, um, and I won't reference the the speaker. But there was a a speaker a keynote that I think you and I were listening to um, in which he had, I said he's, he's already gave away the gender, um, his latest and greatest research on creativity. I don't know if you remember this and his whole entire keynote, he literally copied and pasted um, the, and he read it. He literally read his research paper. I don't know if you remember, I, I remember it was blue background and white font. So it was really easy to read uh, about size 12 font and I remember you and I messaging, we were messaging back and forth, um, going, all this great research on, on creativity, what we should do with creativity, and we're getting a, a read-aloud research paper. I mean, so I think it comes back to that teaching concept, you know, um, if we want kids to be creative, we want kids to be, um, you know, having the self-advocacy, critical thinking, and communication, what are we putting into place within our classroom to allow those things to happen, um, you know, and I think it's... Uh, you know, geez, yeah, just another insight as you're talking. I'm going, yeah, I, I, <laughs> as you mentioned, that teaching how we've been taught, you know, we have the opportunity to create the conditions um, for these kids to be amazing and successful and for ourselves, too, because that's important as well. Yeah, how do we create the environment in which we can all grow? Mm. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I think I have answers, you know, and and uh, and I and I also know that there's many different flavors of right. That's something else I think is really important that teachers understand that there's many, many, many ways to be right, um, and there are ways to be wrong too. Don't get me wrong; not everybody gets a fucking <laughs> ribbon in my world. No, we don't all get ribbons. Some of y'all lose, right? <laughs> Hopefully, in losing, we learn some stuff too. Right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh. It, it, complex. This is a whole lot more than teachers just being crappy and not doing what we want them to do. It's not what this is about. This is systemic. So if we're going to solve the problem, we've got to come back to the why and and before any before ever the what. You know, it's it's uh it's fun living in these times. It is. It is. We have a lot of I think in these times we have a lot more agency than what we sometimes feel. Um, and we've got an opportunity to, you know, be the catalyst for some change um, that we know is why we got into this profession in the first place, whatever role it is that, that we play. Um, and so I think that that's uh, um, a really great thing to remember, you know, why we 
take these leaps forward day to day, whether they're small steps or big steps, as long as they're, they're, they're steps. And at and, and bare minimum, we've got a teacher shortage. They ain't going to fire you. They can't. You <laughs> 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 a little courage there is unlikely you're going to be fired because they can't replace right, you. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> joke, it's a joke. Yeah, insert sarcasm here. Yes. <laughs> Consider it. Yeah. Well, Ginger, this has been been phenomenal. Uh, as always, I love these conversations. I think, as always, we leave with with, with more questions and more self reflection things, which is what a great uh, conversation should always do for us. And so. Um, as people are listening in and they want to know more about you, uh, we'll definitely get all the stuff linked in the show notes, but, but where can people find you and the work that you're doing um, so they can reach out and, uh, you know, pamper you with all their, their, their positive comments from this conversation, right? Did you say pamper or pelt me? Okay, <laughs> no, yeah. yeah, I said pamper, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm Ginger Lumen everywhere, so Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, gingerlumen.org.com. That's my website. You can go in and into my blog there and go deeper into the thinking. I do a lot with, with again, that, uh, that trauma-informed, the project-based learning, makerspace, gifted ed, redesign, all of that stuff. Anything that's, that really is taking those larger leaps forward, that's where I love to live. And uh, I've actually been taking on... Um, the small four-year liberal arts colleges have been calling me lately as they start to redesign. So I've been visiting some of them Ooh. and helping them figure out how to do things differently. You want to talk about walking into a world. Yeah, 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 no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> that's kind of fun. <laughs> anyway, they're driving it. So anyway, yeah, that's where you can find me, Ginger Lumen. I'm the only one, thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> And I recommend anyone listening to go check those things out, explore, see what she provides. Ginger is, uh, does phenomenal work, and as you can tell from this conversation, there's there, there's no sugar coating and there's there's no bull crap. It's all real deal stuff. And so, um, as as you're looking for those answers and solutions and and ways to find nothing else, more more questions in your own learning journey, she's definitely one to uh, add to, to to your toolkit. So, uh, Ginger, as always, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time and. Um, I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you, Aaron. (laughs) 